Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Have You Seen That with T. We on our episode number nine. Lucky number nine. So here we go. We are a few days away from Valentine's Day, a few days into Black History Month, and we're going to continue uh, honoring you know, some of our best actors and directors in the entertainment industry um, on Have You Seen That With T. So last week we discussed the females, uh, you know, filmmakers, actresses. This week we're going to discuss the men, the male actors and filmmakers who are moving and shaking in the entertainment industry. Um, and, I mean, it's really it's really hard to compile you know, these lists that I make, the lists that have become kind of a trademark um, on Have You Seen That with T. Uh, but, you know, today was probably the most difficult time I had putting together a list, whether it was male actors, uh, you know, black men, filmmakers. And then, you know, with Valentine's Day around the corner, we decided to go the rom-com route. Um, and I compiled the list of my top 10 romantic comedies uh, of all times. And that's a hard list for me to do because one of my guilty pleasures, one of the things I got teased about the most being in the Army was I kind of love romantic comedies, man. I'm a romantic at heart. Um, and I just enjoy, you know, a funny movie and then a movie about romance uh, when you combine the two, it just it, it just doesn't get any better for me other than, you know, a good Marvel, you know, cinematic universe movie or something like that. I love my action movies, too, but, you know, romantic comedies, I don't really go see them in the theater that much, but I do enjoy watching them, you know, when I can, when I get a chance to. Uh, so we're going to move right into it. We're going to talk about, you know, black actors. And one thing I haven't done you know, here on the podcast or on the Facebook uh, group page was honor Sidney Poitier. I mean, you know, we lost him a few weeks ago and what an iconic actor, activist, you know, philanthropist uh, that that man was. Sidney Poitier, you know, I grew up, you know, I was born in the late 70s, grew up in the 80s. And by that time, Sidney Poitier was an older actor. He's a veteran actor at that time. You know, and I didn't get a chance to watch any of his earlier films because they just weren't my style. You know, they, were, they wasn't, you know, something I was seeking out to go watch, you know, move, films made in the 50s and the 60s because those generally weren't horror movies. But his movies were. And, and just the person that I got to know, you know, as I was growing up, the person I saw was an older Sidney Poitier, the mentor, you know, and everybody always had these high words of him and he just carried himself with such respect and dignity and he just demanded that, you know, and he commanded that when he walked into a room or when he spoke, you can just look around and see everybody listening. And I, I watched an interview that Denzel Washington did recently where he said he would just go, you know, and talk to him. And just listen to him and just hear the stories, you know. I mean, he had been through it all, uh, you know, um, during his time. And he was such a pioneer, you know, starring in the movie Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, you know, dating a white woman back then would have gotten you killed. And, you know, 
up until recently, it probably still will. Um, but he was just, I mean, he, he just, he was so revered in the entertainment industry, you know, and by black people in general, like he was just, he was an icon. Um, and I just, I, I meant to do this weeks ago, but I didn't write it down. My memory shot, I didn't write it down. So this time I made sure that was the first thing I wrote, you know, in my notes was Sidney Poitier and just talk about, you know, what I knew, the man that, that you know, so many people idolize. And moving on from Sidney Poitier um, to some of our living legends, uh, you know, it doesn't get any bigger of an icon than Denzel Washington. He has moved the needle uh, in the entertainment industry for decades now. And I remember seeing him in critical condition, you know, in the 80s and the mighty Quinn when he was cutting his teeth making these movies that, you know, I mean, today I don't think he would take the mighty Quinn putting on that tight terrible Jamaican accent uh, with Richard Townsend, but you know, he, he has gone so far. You know, I remember seeing him in a soldier story. Uh, young Denzel, that young, hungry Denzel. Uh, it, it was just phenomenal. It's phenomenal to see that growth as a young man, you know, watching an older younger man, you know, become an icon right in front of your face. Same thing with the next person. Um, Forrest Whitaker, Forrest Whitaker, like I felt like he was playing a teenager when he was a third, when the, when he was in his thirties, and he just had so many movies. He'd been in so many iconic movies. It's really hard to pin down, you know, those career-defining roles when he's been in so many movies. Same way with Samuel Jackson. I mean, Samuel Jackson's been in hundreds of movies. Uh, Morgan Freeman's another one. I mean, these are just living legends. Uh, and, and, and in the entertainment industry, you know, these black men, you know, getting these star roles where people are writing roles for them. Uh, and that that was unheard of back in the day. And Sidney Poitier was one of the first people who, who had that done where, where the white uh, directors were writing or white writers were writing roles for him uh, to star in those films. Um, and one of the most underrated actors I spoke with uh, my friend Noel we spoke about you know he said he wanted to do a film with Wesley Snipes Wesley Snipes is one of the most underrated actors you know he he did his time for the tax evasion thing and I think that really really hurt his uh his industry credibility but not it doesn't touch his acting you know he's I mean he puts everything into a role and it just so happened he's like a third or fourth degree black belt and he gets put into these action films, but like some of his earlier stuff, you know, you got New Jack City, Jungle Fever, where he's a serious, Mo Better Blues, where he's a serious, Sugar Hill. Like he is a serious thespian, as they, as they call them. Uh, he's a, he can be anything you want him to be. He can be funny. He can play ball, like in White Men Can't Jump. He can do it all. And he can be a, a block, you know, box office blockbuster action star. Uh, I, I just don't think he gets enough credit, you know, uh, that he deserves. Um, Wesley Snipes is just is just one of one. Uh, there, there'll never be another actor uh, like Wesley Snipes. And people can try, uh, but it's really hard to touch him, man. Uh, and then moving on, we got Lawrence Fishburne. You know, I remember seeing School Days. And honestly, in 1985, 
85, 86. I didn't get it. I'm 10 years old, you know, eight years old watching school days. And I didn't understand it. Like it took me, you know, years to really get, uh, you know, the essence of school days. And, and there was Larry Fishburne, as I knew him, uh, you know, body in that role. And then, <laughs> and then boys in the hood, like, you know, uh, I didn't know that he was, he, I think he was younger than Cuba Gooden Jr. When, when they, when they felt, or maybe he been like, you know, two or three years older than him. Uh, when he was playing his dad, which is hilarious to me, uh, I, and and they mocked that and don't drink, you know, don't drink your juice while whatever the name of that movie was. They mocked it when the dad was younger, and I didn't get that at all because I didn't know that Larry Fishburne was, you know, only either the same age as Cuba Gooding Jr. or only, only like maybe two or three years older than him. I guess he just has an old soul and an old face, you know. Uh, moving on. Uh, to black actors, Don Cheadle, right? I remember watching Don Cheadle in like movies like The Family Man. Um, it was another movie he was in in early, mid to early nineties. Um, and he was always that second player. You know, he was always the second. Like he was always uh, either you know the third or fourth role, you know, on the billing. And then you know, finally we got a chance to see who he was. Uh, and one of my favorite movies of Don Cheadle and Talk to Me, uh, the story of P.D. Green. That was a, a phenomenal movie, and that was one of like one of his earlier top billings uh, when it came. Like, and he's just a marketable movie star. He can hold his own in any movie, you know, Oscar winner uh, for Hotel Rwanda or Oscar nominee. I'm not can't remember if he won for. It. I think he did win for it. Uh, but he is just a dynamic force as an actor. Um, <clears throat> we got Will Smith. Uh, Will Smith, you know, uh, wasn't to me. I didn't grow up knowing him as an actor. You know, I thought they took a chance for him, on him in Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and he just has that charisma. And, and then Independence Day really put him on the map. And he just has that. He just had that it factor. He still does. Like he just has this energy that you want to root for him. Uh, and he he just brings that in all his all his roles and all, all the films that he's in. Uh, one of the films that I remember, I remember watching, and I don't understand how this movie got made, uh, but it is probably one of the most depressing films of all time, Seven Pounds. Uh, one of, like, uh, Will Smith's... I, I think that made money. Uh, I know I was in Korea when it came out, and it was just so hard to watch. It was like this really dramatic drama, like death was all around this film. Uh, and then the big reveal at the end just, man, I don't think anybody didn't cry behind that movie. It's probably one of the most melodramatic movies uh, that I can remember seeing, Seven Pounds. If you haven't seen that, check that out. Uh, look that up. It's somewhere. You'll find it on one of these streaming services. Next actor, one of the most underrated actor, and, and nobody in this nobody in this world can tell me any different. Uh, he is perhaps uh, one of the greatest. He, I put him in my top five for sure of greatest actors. Period. Jeffrey Wright. So Shaft came out was early two thousands, like the remake with Samuel Jackson. 
And there's not a human in this world that couldn't tell me that Jeffrey Wright was, was black. I thought he was Dominican. Peoples Hernandez is one of the greatest villains in, in cinematic history. Uh, and he's one of the greatest characters in cinematic history. And I did not know Jeffrey Wright was black. I thought Jeffrey Wright was Dominican. Like, I thought he was Peoples Hernandez. Like, and then he's gone on to do so many roles. And every single role, there's difference. There's a difference there. You know, he's played Martin Luther King. Uh, he has done it all, and he just his name never gets brought up when you talk about best actors. People bring up Daniel Day Lewis, and he oh he puts himself in every role, and and of course you got Denzel in there, but like every movie of Jeffrey Wright's, there's something unique, there's something different. He turns like he he becomes that character, like his face looks different, his body is different, his mannerism is different, his accent is different in almost every one of his roles and he's just phenomenal in it. Like, he is just a phenomenal actor and I, and I really don't feel like he gets his just due uh, as an actor. And he, He's just phenomenal. I, I love anything that Jeffrey writes in. He's always fantastic uh, and he is just, he's just he, I, I don't even know how to say any different uh, moving on, though, we got to move on because I could talk about Jeffrey Wright and how great he is for days. Uh, moving on, we got Dan Danny Glover. Danny Glover, uh, Lethal Weapon. I remember watching every single Lethal Weapon movie in the theater. It was always a great time. Merton Riggs, me and my boy Aki, we were, we are Merton Riggs. Uh, and uh, he's Danny Glover, and I'm Mel Gibson, which is kind of backwards, but it works for us. Cause he looks like Danny Glover, <laughs> uh, but I mean, in talking about Danny Glover, they're they're uh, remaking the color purple or reimagining the color purple as it is on Broadway right now as a musical uh, with Danny Glover. I can't remember the actor that's playing him, uh, but Danny Glover gave him his blessing, and and that's one of the iconic roles of Danny Glover, even though it was one of his you know, most villainous roles uh, as Mr. Uh, but, I mean, just another underrated, like, he, his name doesn't get brought up enough when, when we talk about iconic actors. Uh, maybe because he, was, he wasn't the top villain, you know, other than when he was killing the Predator in Predator 2, which probably shouldn't have happened, but it's a story for another day. Um, now let's let's get into some of these young up and coming. Well, Idris Elba, he's on my list. Uh, I don't think there's a cooler human or more complete human than, than Idris Elba. He does everything. He's a DJ. He does Taekwondo. He raps. He sings. He acts like he is like the epitome of the Renaissance man, and every lady loves him. Like he is just and like people want him to play James Bond. I want him to play James Bond just to piss people off, honestly. Uh, but, I mean, there's just no cooler than Idris Elba. Uh, and Mahershala Ali, you know, upcoming Blade. He's, he's going to be playing Blade, but he is a... There's, some, there's something about him. Like, he has this... He just has this gravity to him in all of the roles that he's playing. Like I said, like I said before, I've never watched The Green Book. But I've seen him in some other stuff, and I, I've never watched Moonlight either. Uh, I 
think that that's probably going to happen more sooner than later. I'm going to watch Moonlight because the Oscars are coming up and I want to talk about Oscar winners uh, and and Oscar runner-ups or losers. Uh, Some of the best Oscar wins and some of the worst Oscar wins, but Mahershala Ali, like, he he just has this, you know, characteristic in people, and that's why these actors become stay relevant. They become relevant and they stay relevant because of their presence. And he has that presence. I remember when he, you know, received his Oscar for Best Supporting Actor and just his speech, like, he just, he's such a humble human. And, and you know, I've watched some of his interviews and, and just hearing him speak, I can see why, you know, he, he's so blessed to be in the position he's in now. And I love seeing him win because he, he's, he's a phenomenal actor. Uh, another young actor uh, who just has, like, the most charismatic uh, screen presence where you just can't root for him is Michael B. Jordan. I mean, he's a handsome young kid, man, but he just has this, like, Creed was not supposed to work. Like, Creed was not supposed to work, right? Any, any other actor, you know, in that role, the movie doesn't work. When I first heard it was coming out, I was like, come on, man, you like, I don't want to see this. I didn't, I didn't want to see it. I thought that Rocky had ran his course. And then you get this young kid, you know, in this, in this position. And he just, he's magnetic. His, his char- his charisma really carried that movie. Uh, Cause it was a retread of Rocky one. Right. And I don't want to see that, you know, but Rocky one, Sylvester Stallone, his, his like, you were so empathetic to that character, you know, you rooted for him, you rooted for Rocky, you know, rooted against Apollo, who was a much better boxer. I'll never, like, come on, man, Wesley Snipes always bet on black, right? Uh, but you rooted for Rocky, he was an underdog. Creed, like, Adonis Creed wasn't an underdog per se, uh, but, you know, you just, Michael B. Jordan, he just has, he just has that it factor. You know, he just, Killmonger, Everybody rooted for him, even though, you know, his tactics were, were barbaric. But just that charisma, man. Everything he did on screen was just cool. Like, everything he does, he was like a modern-day Billy D. Williams. Like, everything he does is really cool. Uh, and he's just a, he, he's a good actor. You know, uh, A Journal for Jordan, I watched that a few weeks ago. And that's a terrible movie, like, in, in all honesty. I, don't, I didn't like the movie at all. But his charisma, you know, even though the character was really wooden, like he was, he was written so rigid, like a army first sergeant. But like Michael B. Jordan just had this, this charisma, like he just has this charisma where you want to root for him, right? You don't want anything bad to happen to him. Uh, and I did for a long time. The next actor on my list, Anthony Mackie. I, I honestly uh, was not a big fan. Um, he starred in one of one of uh, my favorite Spike Lee movies, She Hate Me. Uh, his character was like the least liked character in that movie, but uh, it was just a good Spike Lee movie. Um, and and I just it wasn't until the Winter Soldier and uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier where he becomes Captain America where I really became a fan, honestly. Uh, and and then I saw like this guy is really moving the needle, right? Uh, and he's gonna play Captain America, and I have to root for him because he's a black <laughs> he's a black Captain America, man. I have to root for that. 
uh, and and just yeah, Anthony Mackie, he's a young up and coming actor. Same with Lakeith Stansfield. I honestly don't like Lakeith Stansfield, but after Judas and the Black uh, Black Messiah, like how can I not? The guy just he he made you want to hate that character even more uh, than you would want to hate another human being. Uh, but he still made you care about that character more than you would care about a low-down snake, uh, snitch, rat, you know, Benedict Arnold, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he brought, like, heart to that character, and that doesn't come from nowhere. That comes from him. Uh, and, he, and that was a phenomenal movie. And then, you know, his his one or two scenes in Get Out, you know, it just shows his range as an actor. He's a good, he's a good young actor. Um, same with Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, I mean, I remember watching. I want to say it's like the second or third episode of Black Mirror, and he just he just has he just had it in that episode, right? It was a, it was a a solid episode, but it you have to care about these characters. You have to care about the person playing this character in order for it to work. And I'll talk about that later when I review the movies that I watched this week uh, or that I watched tonight uh, for this show, for this episode. Um, but you really, you have to care about it. And, and Daniel Kaluuya, when he doesn't say anything, his face says everything. When his face doesn't say everything, his inflection says everything. Like he is, he just, he's always toned in. He's always dialed in to the emotions that he wants you to feel. He can get you there no matter what. Uh, and he's a phenomenal actor. And it's funny, the first time I heard his like, British accent, I'm like, who is this person? He's like a totally different, like he has this totally different energy when he's not in character. When he's in character, he's in character. And, and that, to me, is the mark of a, a great actor. Um, next on my list, I don't know why I have him so low on my list of names, but Michael Ely. Maybe it's because he's light-skinned. I don't know. That's why I put him on the list. But I, I, I dig me some Michael Ely, man. He's a, he's a cool cat. Uh, he hasn't really starred in too many great movies recently. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what that's about. Uh, maybe he's just taking the poor, you know, making poor choices, selecting these roles, or. Or maybe, you know, Hollywood's really going young with these young guys like Michael B. Jordan. But Michael Ely is a phenomenal actor. He he does a great job in every movie he's in. Uh, he almost plays the same character in every movie. That, that might be it, man. He's just a suave, light-skinned dude with, like, light eyes or something. I don't know. Uh, and then the last on my list is, is a national treasure. He's not American. But we have to protect his brother with all costs because I think he's getting blackballed out of the, out of Hollywood uh, for speaking up for racial injustice every chance he gets. Uh, John Boriega, like uh, my man uh, from from Star Wars, he is like he's a phenomenal actor, uh, but he don't back down. Like he's not that guy. He'll, he you know he's out there on the front lines protesting. You know, police brutality, racial injustice, you know, because they're doing that in England. They're doing that in London. Uh, they had the same issues in the, you know, 2000s. Oh, well, they were out in the streets, man. Like, they were out there getting it. They were rioting. They were doing all types of stuff. 
Uh, and, and that young kid, he just he just don't back down, and I think he's getting blackballed. Uh, so, you know, all y'all black directors and black producers out there, put him in your stuff. He can act. He, he got the chops. Uh, you know, whether it's American accent, British accent, hey, write the roles for him because he, he's just phenomenal, phenomenal actor and, and phenomenal black man, man. So we're going to move on. <clears throat> We're going to move on to black filmmakers, and I can't make a black filmmaker list without mentioning Spike Lee, right? Spike Lee is the icon. He is the standard. He's the gold bearer. You know, he really, uh, he might not have been technically the first black director, but he's our first black director. Like, he made these movies uh, about us, for us, uh, but they were universally uh, recognized and revered. You know, I mean, I can I can do an episode about Spike Lee movies by itself. And chances are I'm going to do an episode about Spike Lee movies by himself. Uh, because he is just, he's just iconic, man. The Inside Man, Malcolm X, School Days, Mo Better Blues, Crooklyn. Uh, you know, Do the Right Thing. God, I remember going to see Do the Right Thing in a movie theater. And once again, I was young. I think it was 88 and 1989, maybe, uh, you know, I'm 10, 11, 12 years old, uh, you know, going to the theater and seeing I didn't get it, right? I got it because I was a young black man, but I didn't get it, get it. Like, it was, it was so layered, such a great movie. You know, going back and watching that movie years later, it just gets better with time. Next young, young uh, director, Ryan Coogler. First time I heard Ryan Coogler speak, man, like I saw an interview with him and he just sounds like a dude from Oakland. Like, I mean, like you just walk walk outside and just run into Ryan Coogler and he just tell you, he reminds me, he talks like Marshawn Lynch, man. Like he got that, like, and I'm like, this guy directed Black Panther and that's what I love. That's what, like he is authentic authentic to himself like he didn't try to change up he don't code switch to go nowhere because he's a phenomenal director he is a dude from the block who has an eye for making great films right and there's so many of those guys out there on the block you know and he's probably hiring to put them in their movies to get them off the block uh, Ryan Coogler just phenomenal filmmaker like he doesn't make bad films Barry Jenkins doesn't make bad films. Uh, Jordan Peele, right? Ken Peele, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I've never watched an episode of Ken Peele. I've seen a few of their, their skits on YouTube because people told me I got to watch them. But I, I'm a Dave Chappelle guy. I thought the Chappelle show was revolutionary. Then once he went off, Ken Peele showed up. And I was like, nah. I don't think that it's, it definitely ain't going to be as funny as the Chappelle show. Didn't want to do it. And I don't regret it, but I'm glad uh, that he stepped out of his box and, and created his own lane, you know, making the movies that he wants to make. And I'm so excited about Nope coming out in uh, June. Uh, but Jordan Peele, he is just, I mean, he, he just, he created, you know, something new. Every, every one of his movies are unique and different, and he just brings a lot to it. The next uh, filmmaker, black filmmaker, I'm going to 
talk about is just probably one of the most polarizing figures uh, that I'll probably ever talk about in the and in the black community, Tyler Perry, right? I can say so many negative things about Tyler Perry and his movies, but I'm not. Uh, because if it's one thing, I respect that. I've always said I respect his hustle, man. And he hustles and he makes films. He gets films made. He's, he employs black actors, black actresses, you know, black cinematographers. Uh, and he just keeps them employed. You know, he's made that mil, you know, billion dollar movie set in Atlanta. He's brought so much money to the city of Atlanta, the state of Georgia. Uh, it's not funny. You know, he can run for mayor there and he's going to win. He can run for governor. He's going to win. Uh, his movies just aren't for me. They're for somebody. They're just not for me. But, I, man, if I don't respect what he's done, you know, you know, he said he was homeless at one point in time. And now he's become like a multi-millionaire slash billionaire. Uh, and he just, he's giving back. I can't, I cannot knock him for that, man. He He's just phenomenal. Uh, and what he does, uh, you know, once again, hey, not my cup of tea is movies. I'm not a big fan of the Medea series. But, hey, they make hundreds of millions of dollars. So I guess what the hell do I know? F. Gary Gray, you know, uh, I mean, he's directed any and every kind of film you could think of. He's directed some of the Fast and the Furious movies, directed Friday, uh, all of that good stuff, man. Like, you can't... And, I mean, he started out making NWA videos. I mean, he's he's done it all. And uh, last on my list, Anton, Antoine Fuqua. Man, I, it took me a second to say that without messing it up, Antoine Fuqua, uh, Mr. Training Day himself, right? Uh, he's made some, I mean, just blockbusters, be an understatement, you know, some of the movies that he's made. Uh, and, you know, that's my list of my favorite black actors and some of the most influential black filmmakers in the game. Um, yeah, I mean... It's it's a good time to be a, a black filmmaker, honestly. Uh, you know, with the success of Black Panther and movies of that nature, and with the success of Get Out, like now, finally, people are investing in a black voice. You know, finally. And we have so many directors. We have so many actors, you know, who can get the job done. Uh, Denzel Washington is a filmmaker. He directed the film, you know, A Journal with Jordan. A journal for Jordan. Uh, you know, we, we just have, we have it. Uh, now it's time for us to just continue moving forward, man. I love seeing it. I love seeing black people on the screen, you know, and not as a stereotype. You know, not, yeah, not kowtowing. No, we don't need to do that. We can make black films. Uh, we can make romantic comedies, which I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, we can make any type of film that we want, and we need to make those type of films that we want to see. So, moving on, right? This this week coming up is Valentine's Day, you know, 14th of February, day where you relax with your loved one or take your loved one out. My Valentine's Day is going to be a very relaxed, subdued time with me and my family. I love it. 
Uh, the kids are gonna love it. We're gonna have a great time. You know, kids are making crafts. They're making little hearts and stuff for, for their mom and me. Uh, and it's gonna be a fun day. But Valentine's Day is always a, gr- a great time to watch a good romantic movie, right? And what better movie to watch than a romantic comedy? Something that's gonna not depress you. Something that's not gonna be too heavy, but a funny, you know, movie about love. And uh, this week, we had two romantic comedies come out, and they both came out streaming. Uh, Marry Me with Jennifer Lopez, uh, and I Want You Back with uh, Jenny Slate and Charlie Day. So I just heard about I Want You Back, I want to say either today or yesterday. I didn't know it was dropping on Amazon Prime, and I thought this was going to be a funny movie, right? And it was not. Like, so when I was talking about, you know, the the charisma of Michael B. Jordan, the charisma of Mahershala Ali, Charlie Day does not have that charisma. He has the reverse effect on me. He has like this, his, him, like I feel like it's his character makes me want to punch him in the face. Like he has this grating personality in all of the films that he's in where it's just this neurotic high energy guy like he's always like he he just sniffed the eight ball like right before they they said action and like he just has this energy that's just that really grates on me so like I couldn't take him seriously as like a lead actor in this movie if he would have been like the third or fourth player I'd be like like in Horrible Bosses like he wasn't the lead guy uh, he was like an auxiliary character who you could just kind of write off as just being annoying. But he was like, this was his vehicle, right? It's him and Jenny Slate. Uh, they played two people who got broke up. Like, uh, both of them got dumped. And they find each other in the stairwell crying. Uh, and they become friends with the goal of breaking up the people who just dumped them because both of the people who dumped them moved on to like these more attractive people or these better suited people for them. And the rest of the movie is just like hijinks of these two trying to, you know, figure out how to break those two up. And then at the end, like all romantic comedies have a moment early in the movie where somebody tells you something special to them. Like, hey, I really love this rock. Like in Good Luck Chuck, like, oh, they talk about the, the pebbles that penguins bring to uh, bring to their mates when they want to marry them or something like that. Or when they love them or when they find their mate, they bring a pebble to them, like a really uh, the, the best pebble that they can find, right? So, of course, at the end of the movie, somebody's going to present a pebble because they gave you this nugget early in the movie of something that was, like, really significant. And this happens, and I want you back at the very end, like... The tell, like they they give that tell early in the movie, and then at the end it always comes back, and like I spot it because it's always something really random and really silly. So then, like at the end of the movie, they have to bring it back to that, right? And that just annoyed me <laughs> about this movie. Like everything about this movie, like I really want to enjoy. I really want to enjoy romantic comedies. I, I really want to laugh. Right, so when you get a movie with Jenny Slate, who is fantastic, a fantastic actress, by the way, uh, she was great in Obvious Child. Um, 
but like her and Charlie Day together, it just didn't ring. It didn't ring with me. Uh, Scott Eastwood, like a dead ringer for Clint Eastwood in his 20s. Like his son looks exactly like him. Like he looks like Dirty Harry. And I don't understand. Maybe maybe nobody thinks he's a good actor because I really don't understand why he's not in bigger movies. Because he just looks just like his dad. Or maybe because people don't like his dad. I don't know. Uh, but he's in this movie along with... Uh, man, I can't even think of her name. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like it, it just would have been better suited if anybody else would have been the lead actor in this movie. Uh, but I just didn't... I just thought it was... It just wasn't that good of a movie like they just hey we're gonna do something funny and we're gonna put them in some real precarious situations and it's just not gonna work and it didn't to me you know but check it out on amazon prime tell me what you think if you like it you like it i know it it definitely wouldn't make my top 10 honorable mention of romantic comedies but the next film right so i went into marry me the jennifer lopez movie with no expectation I went into that with actually low expectation. I was like, another J-Lo romantic comedy. And to be fair, J-Lo romantic comedies aren't really terrible. Like, they're not really terrible, but they're not really great. Like, and this movie is not great by any stretch of imagination, but it was it was entertaining. It was good. It was more heart than anything. But my biggest gripe with this movie, too much J-Lo singing. Like, it was like a, mu- a music video for her. I'm not a fan of her music. I'm not a fan of her singing. Like, so when she was singing in the movie and she's giving her a heart, but she doesn't sound that great, it just really turned me off. But every scene with Owen Wilson, right? Owen Wilson has that charisma. He has that charismatic personality when he's not trying to be zany. When he's trying to, like, show you he has heart, like, he was the heart and soul of this movie. Like, he was fantastic in the movie. And every scene he was in, you kind of just, he kind of just put you at ease, right? And that's what you're supposed to do in, the, in more of a dramatic, romantic comedy type of situation. Uh, you, you have to have somebody who grounds you, right? You have the superstar character, J-Lo, which I think it might be time for her to chill out on the romantic comedies, man, because... Yeah, I don't I don't know if that's her ticket, uh, but yeah, Marry Me, it, it was a solid movie. I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed the movie, other than her singing. Uh, the, the guy who played, like, her love interest, Bastion, like, that guy can sing. Like, even though he was singing in Spanish, like, I didn't understand a word he was saying, but, like, his, he has, like, an amazing voice. I'm assuming he's a real singer. I'm assuming he's a real artist. Uh, but... Yeah, like J-Lo, no. every, every chance she got to sing in the movie, she did, and I was not a fan. But the movie as a, as a whole was a feel-good romantic comedy, right? In the end, of course, you know, you have that run through the airport. Not exactly sure why that became a staple in all these romantic comedies. Was like, like, I've seen more running through an airport in romantic comedies than, like, you know how difficult it is to get through security, but for some reason these romantic comedies, people just get to the airplane real quick. I never, and I have a military ID card. I got like the TSA, the pre-TSA or whatever they call it. 
like the clear, and it still takes me forever to get to the airplane. But like these people just run through the airport, and it's like, I mean, maybe it's just it's unrealistic to me, but it works in the movies, man. Like so, I guess that's the fantasy part of the movies. You get to run from point A to point B. In, in Stiletto Heels, by the way, she did that in Stiletto Heels, and she still made her flight uh, to go save the day at the end, uh, end of the movie. And I'm not spoiling anything. We all know that the people get with the other people at the end of these romantic comedies. That's what makes them romantic comedies. Then at the end, they can do like a video dance montage or whatever you want to call it. And you can go about your day. So those were the two... No Valentine's Day, new movies. Uh, I'm pretty sure Hallmark has some movies. Pretty sure Netflix might have some movies. But those are the two movies that that I was interested in watching pre-Valentine's Day. Tomorrow I'm going to go see The Death in the Nile. I just didn't have the energy to go watch it tonight. Um, So I'm going to drop a ride home review for The Death in the Nile tomorrow. That's not a big Valentine's Day movie. I wanted this to be a Valentine's Day episode where we talk about romantic comedy. So I watched two new romantic comedies. Uh, Marry Me is on Peacock. uh, And I Want You Back is on Amazon Prime. You can check those two out. Let me know if I'm off, you know, uh, with my critiques, if you hate Marry Me, let me know. Most people don't like J-Lo, so they're not even going to give it a chance. Uh, but, you know, her character really didn't destroy the film. Uh, you know, it just, it kind of gave it a little gravity because she actually is a pop star. She's playing a pop star in the movie, so it makes sense, I guess. Oh, but yeah, those are new uh, Valentine's Day movies. So now we're going to talk about Romantic comedies, right? And this was really, really hard, right? So I sat down, and I always Google whatever type of films that I'm gonna that I'm gonna list, just to make sure that I don't miss any, right? Because I have a terrible memory. And as I was googling this, I just saw all of these great romantic comedies, all these great romantic comedies. So what makes a great romantic comedy? So for my list, I wanted to move the movies to actually be funny. I didn't put too many dramas. Like, I don't think I have any drama, like romantic dramedies, as they call it, where it's, like, more heavy than it is silly. Um, So those are my honorable mentions, right? And before I start my honorable mentions, I would just want to talk about some black romantic comedies, right? Because a lot of them, they were great, but they just didn't make my list because I wanted to go for, with my top ten list of romantic comedies, I wanted it to be... Like a person going after another person, not like a group like The Wood, right? The Wood would make, is a romantic comedy, right? Like it's a comedy, but it's more, I wouldn't say drama, but it's like an ensemble comedy. Like it, it, it's more just a regular comedy comedy to me. But there's some there's some elements, especially the younger story of of like that romance. So I couldn't put the wood in my on my list. I couldn't put brown sugar on my list because that's more of a drama. Same with love and basketball. Those are more dramedies. The photograph, great movie. I love that movie. The photograph might be the first movie where I didn't think Lakeith Stansfield was an was an asshole in. 
like great movie to photograph it that was more drama same thing with the best man even though it has a few funny scenes in it, it's more drama than anything uh, so those are some of my honorable mentions for like black romantic comedies like uh, Love Jones I wouldn't put in there that's just a romance movie these are romance movies that have like the the theme of love above all uh, but they're just more serious Serendipity another one of like I love that I'll probably watch that movie every Christmas uh, but it's more it's not not that not that funny you know at the end of the day uh, another few of my honorable mentions, some movies that people might have missed in the theaters. Um, love and Other Drugs. I, lo I love that movie for two reasons. It's a good movie. And the second reason is Anne Hathaway probably is naked in, in three-fourths of that movie. Great movie. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's one of the reasons I love it. And Jake Gyllenhaal is great in that movie. It's a good one. Dan in Real Life, that's more of a dramedy with Steve Carell. He has he actually has a few movies on my list. Uh, the Big Sick, uh, I think that came out on Amazon. Yes, it's on Amazon Prime. I've never heard anybody talk about that. Me and my wife love that movie. It's a really, really good movie. Um, the Big Sick on Amazon Prime. It's, a ba it's based on a true story. Um, I don't want to destroy this guy's name, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. Uh, but a Indian, an Indian American uh, man, he was in the Eternals. I can't think of his name. Uh, but even if I could think of it, I'm gonna destroy it. Uh, him and Zoe Kazan is, a, is in that movie, and it's a really good movie, The Big Sick. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It it will depress you because it, it's a true story about a a comedian uh, who gets married and his wife has like a terminal illness. Uh, but it's just a story about love, about how they met um, and how they overcame a lot. Uh, actually, no, she didn't have a terminal illness. She just had a really bad, bad illness and she made it through. Uh, but there's some really depressing scenes in there. Uh, sleeping with other people, that's another like uh, under the radar romantic comedy. Um, I saw that on Showtime. Uh, it's a it, Allison Breeze in that movie, and Jason Sudeikis is in that movie, and it's just it's re it's actually really really funny, uh, and it would be uh, it would be in my top ten, but my top ten is just so it's it's really tough to crack, man. I, I wanted to put it on there, I had it on there, and then I start thinking of other movies, and it just kept getting bumped out of it. Another movie uh, that I really enjoy, something, Someone Great, that had Lakeith Stansfield and the same actor from I Want you, actress from I Want You Back that I can't remember her name. Hold up, I'm about to Google it. And I'm back. I Google it. Gina Rodriguez. Could not think of that. Gina Rodriguez. Man, she. I don't. I will never forget that woman's name again. Uh, someone Great. That was a really, really. A uh, good story about friendship, you know, it, it was one of those breakup films. Um, and it just had this air of, 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 of just love in it, but also the heartbreak, which was another one of my favorite movies, uh, one of my favorite romantic, The Breakup with uh, Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. I don't think Jennifer Aniston's ever looked as good as she looked in The Breakup. 
I'm just gonna put that on wax. Like she looked amazing. That was one of the reasons why I kept watching. Like she just, like, I was like, and I never, I've, one, I've never watched an episode of Friends, but I never thought she was attractive while she was on Friends. Uh, but like in that movie, she just, I don't know what it was, man. She just looked amazing. And Vince Vaughn is just Vince Vaughn. He's gonna be great. John Favreau was in it. They had a few great lines in that movie. Um, I have so many audible mentions, right? <laughs> I got a lot of audible mentions when it comes to uh, romantic comedies because it's just what I do. I, I just really enjoy uh, romantic comedies. Um, so last few, I'm just going to spit out some names. I'm not going to talk too much about them. Just Friends, She's Out of My League. That's a great one. Employee of the Month, I'm, I'm really surprised I put Dane Cook movies in there. But he's been in some good romantic comedies. The Girl Next Door, that was in my top ten list. So I really felt, really, it just wasn't that funny. A Hundred Girls, like I, I watched that 10, 15 years ago. And for some reason, I just really enjoyed that movie. It was kind of low budget, but it was really good. And America, uh, Emmanuel Cheriqua, I think that's her name. Uh, she's on Superman and Lois. She just gorgeous that, that's I can't even say that enough the proposal Sandra Bullock never thought she was attractive till I watched her in the proposal she looked really good in that movie Ryan Reynolds is always Ryan Reynolds and Good Luck Chuck another Dane Cook movie Good Luck Chuck Jessica Alba Penguins a great movie and those are my honorable mentions for romantic comedy so now we're going to get into my top 10 right I love doing these lists. It really is therapeutic. It's therapeutic for me. I know people might get tired of my list, but I hope, I really hope people start sending me their top 10 list of these movies, like I, just so I can see how off base I am or just so I can see how other people think about, you know, these different types of movies. So my top 10 romantic comedies, and like, one, one these movies are funny, they're really funny, so they, they got the comedy part in it, and they're about finding love, right? So my number 10, Hitch. Why is Hitch my number 10? Now, this is tough because I love it. I want to say I watched Hitch probably like 50 times. Will Smith's amazing in that movie. Eva Mendez is, is just stunning in this movie. Um, Kevin James... It's hilarious. Like, it has so many, there's so many funny scenes in this movie. It is such, like, Will Smith, his charisma, just every scene he's in, he just exudes, like, this, this presence in this movie. And it's just a fun, funny movie uh, that just gets everything right. Um, if you haven't watched Hitch, you're missing out on one. Of, like, this, that is the perfect Valentine's Day movie. I'm pretty sure I've watched on Valentine's Day once or twice. Um, it's just a great movie. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. You know, had had some really funny scenes. You know, uh, where his face gets swelled up because uh, he ate the seafood with his boss. Um, great scene when it, when Eva Mendes finds out, her, like she, he takes her to Statue of Liberty and she finds out her. You know, he finds out her great-great-grandfather was like the butcher of Deville or something like that. Like, she just had like a panic attack. Just these weird, funny scenes in the movie. Uh, that's what, it, it's my number nine because it, it just, 
it has so much heart. Will Smith is just awesome in the movie. My number, my number nine movie. This movie just came out recently, The Wrong Missy. So this is a Netflix movie. It stars David Spade, and I don't know this actress's name, but for some reason, I just think she's just she's just awesome. Like she just plays like that dorky girl, because she has this weird face. Like she has this, and she's tall, she's gangly, and she just like. This movie is probably one of the is probably the funniest movie on my list, and that's saying a lot because I have some funny movies on my list. And David Spade is not, you know, uh, generally the leading man in these movies. Of course, this was made by Adam Sandler and his boys. Like they, he he always he always like you know hires his guys to be in the movies, and uh, this movie is just funny. Like it is just down. Like it's funny from start to finish. Um, and it's like all of the bad things you think are happen to a human is going to happen to David Spade. You know, it's like, it, it just, <laughs> check it out. It's on Netflix. If you want to laugh, like, it's more of a comedy than it is a romantic comedy, but I could not take it off my list because it's that funny. I, I've, it came out maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, and I've watched it probably 50 times already. Me and my wife love that movie. Great movie. Number eight, Fifty Old Virgin, right? Where like you can't go wrong with this movie. It is. There's so many quotable lines from this movie, you know, Forty uh, Old Virgin. Uh, just Steve Carell at his best. That's like you know, at the height of his stardom, you know, Forty Old Virgin comes out and it is just hilarious. It has some of like the funniest scenes in it like dating as as a older guy like it's just and he's so goofy in the movie and then it has like the Paul Rudd's in the movie Remy Malco's in the movie like they just have these hilarious scenes like the scene with Remy Malco and, and, and Kevin Hart like arguing with each other in the store oh man another just hilarious movie hilarious hilarious movie uh, that's number eight and like, if that's number eight on your list, you just know that they're just great movies. And 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 people might people might have that ranked higher, uh, but like these next movies, once again, just hold just near and dear spots to my heart. Uh, number seven, Palm Springs. Right, I can't. Another recent movie, right? And this one came out on Hulu. And I'm a big Andy Samberg fan. Like he can't do any wrong to me. Lonely Island is hilarious. Like, everything they put out is funny. He was funny on Saturday Night Live. He was funny with the whole dick in the box thing. You know, he, he did some movies with Adam. He reminds me a lot of Adam Sandler, but he's just, he's just funny, man. He just has this goofy personality. And I love those Groundhog Day type movies where you're just reliving the same day over and over again. And then, and you can ruin those. Uh, there's a movie on Netflix that was about like a wedding date that just went haywire, and that movie was not good at all. I didn't think you could ruin those day, you know, uh, those Groundhog Day type of movies, but you can. But this movie did it perfectly. One, it has Chris, uh, Christine Milotti, who played the mother in How I Met Your Mother. Uh, she's fantastic in this movie, and, and Andy Samberg's fantastic, and it's such a, a wacky movie. 
the concept just goes so deep in this movie. And they play on that concept perfectly. And it's just a great movie. Uh, that's a perfect Valentine's Day movie if you want to watch it. Uh, and I recommend it. <coughs> and once again, that's number seven. So number six has to come with the funny, right? Something about Mary. One of the funniest movies ever made, right? One of the funniest movies. It's not higher up on my list because it, it it's more funny than it's romantic comedy. It's so out there. But like Patrick Healy, the, the pizza delivery guy, Cameron Diaz, when she still looked like Cameron Diaz, when she was just young and like she was the it girl in Hollywood, and then you have Ben Stiller, right? Ben Stiller shouldn't be, you know, anybody's heartthrob, but he was just fantastic in this movie. And this is when Ben Stiller was at his height. This was the height of Ben Stiller mania. You know, he he just this movie was funny. I went and saw this in the theater, and I was in the theater cry. I fell out of my chair laughing. You know, the, the scene when she found out when she had the. The, the male fluids on her ear. Uh, like, it was just one of the, another one of those funny, funny, funny movies uh, that you just can't go wrong watching. That's, that's, I wouldn't say this is a great Valentine's Day movie, but it's, just, it's a great romantic comedy, man. Like, it's just, it's fantastic. My number five is a movie you can watch on Valentine's Day. You should watch it on Valentine's Day. Definitely, maybe. So definitely, maybe. I'll probably watch this movie 500 times. I don't know how many times I've watched this movie. I've, I've just watched it over and over. If I'm having a bad day, if I need a movie to watch and I want to go to a fake, like Old Faithful, I watch Definitely, Maybe. It's funny. It has the cute, precocious kid who's smarter than all the adults in the movie, which is another romantic comedy staple. They always have these these kids who are like 10 years old, but they have the mind of a 30-year-old. And they're like, they're the sage to, you know, these dysfunctional adults. Um, and this movie is just great, man. Isla Fisher, she's just fantastic in this movie. I have like the world's biggest crush on her ever since The Wedding Crashers. Which not really romantic comedy, but it kind of is. Uh, it could have made the list, but I didn't think about it till I just said Isla Fisher's name. Uh, but she's just fantastic in this movie. Ryan Reynolds is just, you know, this is pre Deadpool. This is, you know, this should have been a bigger movie than it was, uh, but it's just, it's a great romantic comedy. Good movie, uh, great story. Um, definitely, man. I love I love that movie. I've seen it, you know, a, a bunch of times. My number four, and for a movie to beat out, definitely, maybe it has to do a lot of things. And this movie did everything. Always be my maybe. It's a Netflix movie, and I can't even think of anyone the actors or actresses. Randall Park. There you go. That's his name. Uh, Randall Park, and I can't think of the, the young actress's name, but Always Be My Maybe is hilarious. It is, it is so funny. It has so much heart. 
if you've not seen this movie, like I want to say everybody who's listening to this podcast has seen this movie, but it is like the perfect Valentine's Day movie. Uh, it is it's funny, it's witty, like it's written so well. It's not like it's a story about Asian Americans written by Asian Americans, directed by Asian American. Like it is it it just gets everything right. It is so funny. Like it just you know, shows these teenagers having that awkward first time. Now they're adults and they're successful, or one's successful, the other one's kinda of trying to find his way. Uh, you know, Randall Park raps in the movie, like he has this rap band that's just like ridiculous, but it's funny. Uh, and this is just like Netflix does romantic comedies well. They have a lot of teen romantic comedies on Netflix. They know their niche. You know, and this one was more of an adult romantic comedy, but it's so good. It's so funny. Uh, and you'll be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't watch it. Um, my next romantic comedy is not that much of a comedy, but I find it to be hilarious. Crazy Stupid Love. Steve Carell, another Steve Carell movie. Um, and it's just like... The wackiest stuff happens. You know, Ryan Gosling's in this movie. He's the cool, suave guy who gives Steve Carell a makeover to make him, you know, more attractive to the ladies. <coughs> Emma Stone's in the movie. She's just radiant. Like, I love Emma Stone. Um, she's in the movie. And it's just hijinks, man. Like, uh, Annalee Tempton's in the movie. She, play, she plays a... You know, his, the babysitter who's in love with Steve Carell, which I find hilarious. And then, and then the kid, she babysits in love with her. And Steve Carell famously just, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, his wife tells him that she wants to leave him. She's having, she's having an affair or she slept with somebody else. And he's just like, let me out the car. She keeps talking. She, he says, if you say another word, I'm going to get out this car. She says another word. As she's driving, he just unbuckles himself and just falls out of the car. One of the funniest, funniest scenes I've ever seen. Um, and it's just, it's just so much, so much Kevin Bacon's in this movie. Like, there are just so many different characters. Marissa Tomei's in the movie. She plays a really funny part. Uh, Crazy Stupid Love. I think it's on HBO Max. It's hilarious. It's it's more of a drama, but it's so funny, though. It has, like, these hilarious quotable scenes. I try not to give the movie away, and I try not to just tell every scene in the movie, but it's just it's hard to do when you explain to some of these romantic comedies. Uh, but Crazy Stupid Love, like, I, 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 I've seen that movie so many times. That's another one of the go-to movies, man. You, If I want to get cheered up, if I'm having a bad day or something like that and I want to watch something funny, something romantic, uh, or just funny, uh, it, it, it does both of those things. So moving on to my number two. My number two is Boomerang. Boomerang is hilarious. Boomerang is is Eddie Murphy's best movie to me. Uh, you can add me, you can say live, you can say Harlem Nights, but Boomerang is just everything. It's funny, it's witty, it has young Halle Berry, like fine Halle Berry. It has Robin Givens, has Grace Jones. 
Uh, man, it just, everything, like everything hits on Boomerang. That was like a perfect 90s movie. Martin Lawrence, David Allen Greer, like the boys just talking about <laughs> It's so many quotable quotable lines in that movie. It's so many iconic scenes. Uh, and it, it's just Tisha Campbell playing like the hating ass neighbor. Like it is like that's just a great, phenomenal movie. I didn't really consider it a romantic comedy watching it. I just considered it a comic, but when at the at at its essence, it is a romantic comedy, man. It it is about, you know, uh, guy who is straying his ways but he finds his true love at the very end and it just so happened to be young Halle Berry with that Halle Berry cut and she was so fine in that movie John Witherspoon and the mobs going into the man like come on man like it that's iconic comedy movie iconic romantic comedy and how could that be my number how could that not be number one right what is my number one movie? 20 years ago, I would have slapped you in your face if you'd have said this is my number one movie. When Harry Met Sally. All right. So when Harry Met Sally, it's not the funniest movie. It's not the most romantic movie. But it is the greatest romantic comedy ever made. Like, period. Like, it, it, it is... It's so simple in this execution. Now, I love me some Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal has made some iconic movies. Meg Ryan, mm, not so much. Uh, but I lo like this movie just works on every single level. It is funny. Uh, it's a it was it was more of an adult funny when I first saw it. I mean, this movie came out in the '80s. I'm young. Uh, it might have came out in the 90s. I don't, I don't remember. I know, I know I was young when it came out, and I didn't get it. So watching it 10, 15 years later, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is, this movie is hilarious. Like, it is so funny. It's so witty. It's so well-written and directed. And it's so real. Like, the, it, it just, you meet somebody, you know, and, and it plays out over decades, you know, and they finally come together at the very end because they realized they were made for each other but they didn't get there immediately because these were two just totally different people and I've been there like I feel like I mean not with my like not with the love of my life but I've had those relationships that turned into those relationships you know as you know friendly and then you just realize that's the person you need to be with it kind of is how me and my wife got together uh, not over the decades though but the years, starting off as friends and figuring out, hey, this is what we need to do. When Harry Met Sally, my number one romantic comedy of all time. So yeah, that was my list of my top ten romantic comedies. This is, uh, I mean, it was a great list, I think. Uh, it's really tough, man. It's so tough. So many great romantic comedies out there. Like I said, this is like one of my favorite genres. It's almost like trying to pick my top 10 action flicks because there's so many good ones out there. Um, but yeah, I, I did my best. You know, you can disagree all you want. Um, but yeah, that's that's my top 10. And if you haven't seen any of these movies, man, I would just suggest watch them because they're all great. You know, you can't go wrong with any of these movies on Valentine's Day or the weekend, you know, because Valentine's Day falls on a Monday. 
Um, you, you can't go wrong with any of these movies. You just want to hang out at the house, lay up with your wife, your girlfriend, your side girl, side dude, whatever whatever your flavor is. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just enjoy. Watch a good movie. That's what I love to do. Um, just don't watch I Want You Back. I don't think that's a great Valentine's Day movie. <laughs> uh, but that's really going to close it out. But next week we got Uncharted coming up. That's a big movie uh, for me. I will definitely be going to the theater to see that. Um, and I'll do a ride home review. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I will... Uh, I will Think of a good, oh, no, 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 no. There we go. I already said it before. Next week, black comedies. Uh, I'm going to get with my boy, Maggot Brain Trap. Uh, he's going to be on the, on the show next week. Um, we're going to talk about his comedy career, and we're going to talk about black comedies. Uh, and Boomerang probably is going to be in the t- my top ten list of black comedies. Um but this, that's a robust list, man. There's some good ones out there. Uh, so next week, yeah, that's what, that's what we got coming up. Um, I have a comedian on the show. We're going to talk shop, somebody I serve with. Uh, and, and I'll discuss Uncharted, man. That's, that's a big movie. Um, uh, but, yeah, I've already done action, so I wanted to do something different in this Black History Month. Um, and then after, you know, I've already discussed, you know, my top films by black maker filmmakers but we're going to discuss some black comedies man but i'm really excited about uncharted then uh you know a few weeks after that man we got the big one batman the batman the batman march 4th i'm extremely excited that movie looks phenomenal just saw the trailer today for jurassic world dominion that looks really really good um, and I just checked out the trailer. I'm going to post this trailer on uh, on uh, on the Have You Seen That With T's uh, group site. Um, the Adam Project with Ryan Reynolds. That looks really good, too. Time traveling movie, action movie. Um, that looks like that's going to be really fun. That's coming out on Netflix in March as well. Uh, there's some really good movies coming up, man. And uh, Kimmy, I want to watch that. I'm probably going to drop a... A review of that tomorrow as well. That's on HBO Max, starring uh, Zoe Kravitz. Uh, so that's a, that's another movie that just came out today, I think. Um, so I'm gonna drop a ride home review for that. I'm watching it at the house on HBO Max. I'll do a little in studio review. Um, but that's all I got for this week. Episode eight, episode nine. I mean, is in the books. Um, thank y'all for coming out. I appreciate everyone who listens to these podcasts, man. I really have such a great time just talking about the thing I love, talking about movies. Um, and it's just a good time, man. It's just I feel really great after recording it, and then I feel great after listening to these. I mean, it's just a good time. Um, I have a great time doing this, and I really appreciate everybody who Gives me a little bit of time of their week uh, to listen to the podcast, man. So enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Valentine's Day. Get ready for Uncharted. Um, and yeah, get ready for the Batman. Get ready for the Batman. 
Uh, it's going to be a really good movie. I will check y'all next week. Take it easy.